This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 54 of Two Goalies, One Mike. As you saw in the intro, we are pleased to be joined by Savers legend after seeing that, Jean-Luc Rampierre. And I just have to say, um, that call hit him with so many rights, he was begging for laughs. That's incredible. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. I'm Johnny Cullen alongside Dwayne Steinel. Uh, Jean-Luc, man, recurring guest, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Thanks again for making time out of your schedule, bro. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's uh, always a pleasure to talk goaltending and, you know, talk to people from Buffalo. So always nice to reconnect with you guys. Yeah, man, it's uh, an absolute delight, Jean. You're a returning guest. Um, you know, new to, you know, you're not necessarily new to the goaltending game, but uh, we got some solid picks of you that we're going to post later. Of uh, you and your uh, is that court was that uh, Bobrovsky's gear that you that you uh, inherited? Yeah, that's the Bobrovsky's gear that wow. I'm rocking on those pictures most likely. Uh, I got some uh, some Vaughn uh, set up now too. But I haven't had a chance to break it in yet, but looking forward to it. Awesome, awesome, love it. Well, uh, we got a lot to get to, and you know we don't we don't want to keep you too long. We know you're on the road here. Obviously, uh, for those that, you know, haven't followed along with our adventures with Jean-Luc, um, you know, he's working for the Columbus Blue Jackets and it's Fo- Fox Sports Network there that covers them. Yeah, it's Fox Sports and we're about to switch to Bally Sport Network, but we're still Fox for another month. For the time being. So, um, <laughs> you know, on, on the road, make it time for us. We appreciate it. 
Uh, the Blue Jackets in a bit of a slide. Um, you know, I caught the third period of today's game. Uh, weren't able to get that equalizer late uh, against the Predators. They lost two to one. Uh, a big four point swing in that game. Um, as you know, currently the Blue Jackets are sitting at uh, eight, nine, and five for 21 points. Uh, Nashville with that win. Uh, jumps up to 9-11-0 and zero for 18 points. So a big divisional game there uh, with the Predators looking to close the gap. Uh, I guess we'll start there, Dwayne, if you're okay with that. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, you know, you're, you're only sitting, what is it, a few, you're one spot out of a playoff spot right now. Much better shape than your division than, than Buffalo is currently right now, that's for sure. I think everybody's um, in better shape than Buffalo. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty brutal here, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know that, that that'll we'll say that for later. Um, you know, but exciting stuff right now going on in Columbus. You know that blockbuster deal that brought in Liney and Roslovic. Um, you know, sent Pierre Luc Dubois to Winnipeg. Um, obviously, you've dealt with the injury to Elvis, but you know Corpusalo is a more than reliable other option. Um, just you know, so far this season, you know, again, you're on the outside looking in, but you're more than more than within you know reach of you know that 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 final playoff spot, you know, how have things gone so far, John, for the, for the Blue Jackets? You, you know, it didn't, it's not going as well as uh, everybody wants. Obviously everybody wants to be in first place, but for the Blue Jackets right now, they're a very different team from one game to another, but just like from a period to another, it's just weird. They're not, you know, they'll come back and score six goals or five goals one game and then go five go games where they can't fit, find the back of the net. So it's been a little bit of frustration. Uh, defensively, it's a team that's always been known for their defensive style. And this year, some game it's there against Chicago. You know, they lost 2 nothing. It was an empty net, so a one nothing game. And it seems like the only turn where they had all game end up in the back of the net, they can't manage to score a single goal. But then the game before that, they get five goals and, you know, we're able to score five goals as well to go to overtime. So nobody knows what's going on. I don't think the coaching staff knows what's going on. And I don't think the players really know what's going on. So everybody's getting a little frustrated here. Yeah. And when you look at, and you look at the Columbus's, uh, you know, games here dropping, I think it's six out of seven here. And like you mentioned, Jean-Luc, they're in varying styles, right? Um, you know, going back Previous to the well, you have the two one game, the two one loss today. You have the one nothing loss or two nothing loss with the empty netter against Chicago. But then that six to five game, that was something else. Um, for those that haven't seen the highlights, uh, it was Tuesday the twenty third. Uh, back and forth affair must have been a fun game to cover for you. Obviously, you guys come out on a losing end in the shootout. Um, but then you go back to a four to two loss against the Blue Jackets. Uh, you guys get your win in that little stretch with a three nothing shutout, and then a seven three loss to the the Hurricanes. So you, you you're right. You like you, for for Columbus being known as as a defensively you know stout team, you have a few games here that you know are not typical for Columbus, right? And and that defensive minded hockey club where you're either winning you know two one or losing three two. What have you noticed that's led to that? And, and is Torch in any of the media availability, uh, you know, outside of saying that, you know, the frustration, that's not our game or not. I think he talked about the confidence, not having confidence in this group. Can you um, allude a little bit more on, on what's, you know, taking place there? 
Well, I think uh, so. I'll start first by defensively, as in like, like the group of, the, of defensemen, Seth Jones and Zach uh, Warinsky, who's the number one, two defenseman, first pair here. Uh, they were struggling earlier in the season. And then uh, uh, Vladislav Gavrikov and David Savard are now separated. They don't even play together. And last season, they played every single game together. They were like the shutdown pair. So, they didn't start too well. Now they're back to normal. And then now it's literally the rest of the team. You know, defense with the Blue Jackets is a team effort. But some new guys are not used to the system yet. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, miscommunication on the ice that happen, and it turns into goals against. And that's the one thing with the Blue Jackets. They find a way that, like, even if they play a perfect game, that one goal is going to go in, and then they can't manufacture that goal offensively. So defensively, it's been better as of late, but now the offense has disappeared. And then when it was going well offensively, you know, we're looking at pawn hockey game of 6-5, 5, you know, 5-2, 5-4, where they were scoring lots of goals, but also letting a lot in. Yeah, and, and you know, you can't, you, you can't have one without the other. Looking on the, the goaltending side of things, it was, um, you know, you guys had that two-headed monsters between Merzlikens and Corpusalo, um, you know, which is – a dream scenario for any NHL team, especially this year with the condensed schedule. Um, but like we're seeing here in Buffalo with Allmark going down ourselves um, in that Predators, I think it was, yeah, it was the four to two loss against the Predators. Um, you lost Merzlikens and, and, you know, watching the clip, how his arm kind of gets tied up there. Um, you know, obviously I, di I didn't know how serious it was there. And then seeing him walk down the tunnel, you hope for the best, you hope for something minor day to day. Um, obviously not the case with him being put on IR a couple of days ago. Um, can you first walk us through that play in specific and then maybe the repercussions of the injury here? Well, the play was, uh, Merz Lincoln's was, uh, it, I don't remember who the player was, but he was trying to put his glove basically to secure the puck, freeze it. And somebody came and poked at the glove and somehow his arm kind of got under his body. So when he fell, you know, I was like, well, you just got poked on the glove, you know, being a goalie. Let's call it three goalies, no mic here today. I know there's enough protection on the glove that that's not what hurt him. And so I figured it was or a lower body injury, maybe he tweaked his knee, or it has to be the shoulder because, you know, when he got off the ice, you could see he was definitely in pain. And I definitely don't think it's the hand. So, unfortunately, that's how the play happened. That's what I saw, you know, even looking at the replays. And the fact that, you know, it's not day-to-day -day and it's week-to-week, -week, uh, it's pretty concerning because the Blue Jackets earlier in the season, they weren't playing great, but they were going from Corpy to Elvis to Corpy to Elvis. They were literally playing one game each, and it was a perfect scenario uh, as far as the goals against. They were still struggling to score goals, and then all of a sudden, Elvis got hurt earlier with, uh, I think he took a puck to the head in practice, so he missed some time. Then Corby got overloaded with seven games, seven straight starts. And seven straight start this season is really hard on a goaltender, especially when your defense not playing well. He was giving a lot of goals, and none of them were really his fault, unfortunately. It was just a matter of he was overloaded as a goaltender. You know, seven games in a matter of 10 to 12 days is just too much. And Crazy. then... Elvis comes back, and then now we're going to see the 1-1 again, and then next thing you know, Elvis gets hurt again. So it's all back on Corpus Allo's shoulder. As a goalie, you want the net, but at the end of the day, that's just a lot of game to be in every single one. 
you, you know, John, uh, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, now you've kind of transitioned to playing, playing between the pipes, you know, have you gained more of a respect for the position ever since, you know, since obviously but you're in your playing days to now, whereas like, man, man, this shit's hard. And then you just said it playing seven games in a row. That's, that's tough. Um, I forget, I forget who it was, um, that we recently played. Who was it? Um, Vitek Vanacek, um, Washington. Washington. They, 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 he was on his 12th straight start. It was insanity right. because of Samsonov being uh, out with COVID. Um, just right. so like straight start. That's asking a lot for a goalie in a condensed schedule. I mean, you as a defenseman, you know, obviously in your professional career, now you've made the transition. You know, you're screwing around playing net. Like, do you find a new like respect for the position? Yeah, big time. It's, uh, you know, the mental part's definitely hard, especially in tight games, because, you know, you know, as a forward, you make a mistake, you got the D to cover up for you, and then the goalie, as a D, you make a mistake, it's a little more amplified, because now you only have one line of defense being the goaltender. As a goalie, there's no room for for errors, because it's on you. If you give a bad goal, it's on ESPN, you know, it's like, dude, this guy sucks, right? As, you know, the forward that made a crazy turnover down in the offensive zone. Nobody cares about it. They don't talk about it. So there's definitely more pressure. I think it's part of the position, but I think the physical part, you know, a lot of people look at shots on that. And to me, I look at shot attempt more than shots on that because, you know, you can get 25 shots, but if the other team spent the whole period in your zone and only shot three times, your legs are just as tired as getting 60 shots, right? And that's the one thing I never realized as a goalie is how much work, uh, you know, your lower body is under during a game, even you're not if you're not receiving 10 shots. Yeah, and it's even magnified, I think, in the power play, right? Like, for me, that's what it was. Um, two minutes uh, when you don't clear the zone, just how tiring that can be. You know, I, I we've had power plays where, you know, they – you might only get a shot or two on that, like you like you said. But if they're zipping it around, you know, hitting that cross cross seam pass, and you don't have a chance to really catch your breath on a dump in, that's exhausting. And going back to your guys' first point about the newfound respect for the goalie position, I, I forget if it was Ken Dryden that said it. A great quote was, "And what other job do you have where every time you make the smallest mistake, nineteen thousand people boo and yell and scream against you?" Right? And I that always stuck with me. Uh, because you're right, forwards and D, like you make a mistake, it might not be um, visible to the you know everyday person. With a goalie, it's very easy to tell. Well, that guy fucked up, right? Like everybody knows the exactly. red light turns on, the goal song, the game stops. For Christ's sake, like that's that's a big thing. So um, I, I had a quick question on that note, um, Dwayne. Me and you talked about it last year, or maybe it was even in the earlier interview with John Luke. Just how dominant were Wawrenski? Uh, and Seth Jones were uh, in that five overtime game. Seth Jones played like what, like a uh, hundred minutes or something. What do you see in their game? Is it is it a simple fix to help them, or what? What can what can they be? What are they doing wrong, and what maybe what can they do to fix it? Well, I think for Seth, I think it was just a matter of really moving his legs. And the big difference with Seth Jones is, and one of the reason why the the whole league doesn't really look at him, but myself, you know, because. I've been analyzing every single game this season, last season, except is so good get, getting out of his own zone. You know, whether it's an odd man rush, there's three guys on the forecheck on him. He always finds a way to get it out of his own. And it seems, it's almost like he looks like he's bored doing it because it's so easy and simple. And Warinsky is just as seamless. And when 
you don't see that from both of them, then you're like, hey, something is not right. And that's what it was earlier in the season. Zach got hurt. Now he's back, still struggling a little bit. He's getting his legs under him. But Seth, I would say, is good to – he's back to – I wouldn't say like an elite level, but definitely above average. And, you know, the bar is set for these two guys. So, Dude. you know, with, with uh, Seth, you know, having the type of season he had last season and then Zach scoring 20 goals last season as well, defenseman, you know, the expectation is there now. So everybody expected to see it night in, night out. I'm such a huge fan of Wierenski, man. He is just a specimen. In that one overtime game last year in the playoffs, too, where he went down, um, I forget what the injury was. Maybe you can remind us, John, but like it was, uh, what was it? He suffered an injury in OT, and it ended up, I, my opinion, it ended up costing Columbus the game because I think if, if Wierenski stays in that game, they win. Um, yeah, I, these guys just eat minutes like there's no tomorrow. And Seth, you know, playing 60 minutes last season in that overtime game, triple, <laughs> no, five overtime game, is uh, it's funny because you look at guys' body language. And as a former player, I remember I would always look at guys' body language. Are they tired? Are they hurt? You know, are they whining? And these guys just have that stone cold look on their face, whether the game just started or they're down 10 nothing. Like they're, you know, Never got too high, never get too low. You know, Zach Wierenski scores a hat trick, and he looked like he's just going to practice. And, you know, Seth is the same way. And these guys are, you know, they're truly, like, great hockey players. And that's what we expect from them. So when you don't see it sometimes, you get a little frustrated. But it's definitely not the problem right now. So we mentioned uh, we're talking a lot about last year, too. And I know it was a disappointing uh, exit. But, you know, losing to the eventual cup champion, you know, there's some dignity in that. But two new pieces um, that weren't there last year and, and you know, one piece that was there last year that's gone in, in Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, that trade took the NHL by storm uh, in a year where we haven't seen a lot because of the, you know, the cap restrictions and, and trying to make contracts fit on trades. I think that's as big as a trade as you're going to see in, in today's NHL, especially this year's NHL. Um, so for those hockey fans living underneath a rock, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Columbus's number one center and their third overall pick in that Matthews Line A draft gets traded for Line A, who went number two. Uh, obviously had those, uh, I want to say problems, but the rumors swirling about his, you know, wanting out in Winnipeg. Uh, and also, you know, you want to call him a throw-in, but a lot of people did. You know, Jack Roslovic, Dwayne, I know you were really high on him. Oh, he's, he's been a phenomenal player, right? Yeah, it was a good trade. It was it caught everybody by surprise. First of all, because with COVID and you know the North Division, people were like, "Well, we gotta even see a trade between an American team and a Canadian team because of the two weeks, you know, that the guy might be out of the lineup, which we saw there." But and uh, the visas, I think on top of, and the visas. But on top of it, uh, you know, you, you rarely see two, you know, number one center or winger getting traded for each other. So that's a what Yarmo was able to pull there, I think it was perfect for both teams because Dubois wanted out in some ways and Line A wanted out in some way Winnipeg. So you just swap these guys. But the Jackets on top of it get Jack Roslovic, who, you know, not only is from Columbus, but beyond that, he's a guy, the Blue Jacket. Uh, at, at the Roslovic uh, draft, they moved up and got a pick late in that first round to pick Jack Roslovic. And unfortunately, Roslovic went, I think, 27. And then the Jackets end up 
picking up uh, Carlson, uh, the defenseman that is with the Blue Jackets now uh, in that first round. But they were hoping they could get Roslovic uh, in that draft, didn't get him. So they've been calling quite a bit. He was not available. And this year was a perfect storm. So they got him. And, you know, he got off to a really strong start. You can still see that he still needs to learn a little bit, but I think in the next couple of years, Jack Roslovic should be, a, you know, a legit at least number two center in the NHL. I think, That's I think, awesome. especially in Tortorella's system, everybody has something to learn a little bit. Doesn't matter who you are. Um, yeah, I, that's why I love. That's why I love Torts, though, man. He's a no BS type of guy and friend uh, of the program. Yeah, sort of kind of, sort of kind of, sort of kind of, sort of through another guy, sort of kind of. But yeah, he's he's a no BS type of guy. You know, do you see? Obviously, I, I, I personally, I think you guys won that trade right off the bat. I, I understand. I'm fully aware of how important the number one center position is on any hockey team. When you could have the opportunity to bring in a guy like Roslovic and bring in a bona fide pure goal scorer like Patrick Laine, like especially if you get them to buy into Tortorella's system and buy into his vision, and then you can get both of them to extend, like you knock that one out of the park, in my opinion. Like, I mean, especially when it, it was pretty much written on the wall that here Luke Duvall was out, out on his way at the door anyway. Yeah, and I think the you know the buying in the system is really not something that uh, you know people think that Torts is a guy that's like, well, you have to play that way or it's the highway. Listen, Artemi Panarin wasn't down laying on the ice blocking shots or you know doing like things that are expected you know from some guys. So they know their role. We don't expect uh, we don't expect Patrick Line to kill penalties and lay down and blocking shots. That's not his game. Torts knows exactly what line he is. He's going to push him to be even better than he is right now. But losing a number one center definitely hurt as well because I'll tell you, yes, you get a prolific goal scorer in Patrick Line. Shot, you know, every three shots he shoots, goes in the back of the net. You need to find elite centers to get him the puck. And right now in Columbus, that's the problem. He's been playing with Ruslovic. Things are going really well. But to know the amount of attack that you can have if you had that legit number one center on a team to really feed him would take this team to a whole new level and when you bring that up you look at part of part of the problem <clears throat> at least with line a and winnipeg is he felt slighted that he wasn't playing with the shifleys or the blake wheelers right and you yeah. talk about the the piece going out the door pierre clou dubois um and, and he had a, a nice well-rounded game uh, it, it, it is going to be interesting to see how it happens. Roslovic is as hot of a start as he has. Like you said, he still has some polishing, um, some, you know, room to grow before he gets to his ceiling. Um, and you like what you see, but he's still not that bonafide one guy that could really bring the most out in line. A. Now, one clip from today's game that I wanted to bring up that I thought was really interesting. We, I think a lot of people overreacted to line a getting benched for a period or a, a game or whatever it was early on. But, you know, yep. any good coach will do that, especially with somebody that, you know, that might not have happened a ton in Winnipeg. They might have just gotten to the point that said, hey, let's let's try to keep him happy and, and get out of here. But late in the game, you guys are pushing to tie the game. Uh, goalies pulled, less than a minute left. I remember Line a gets the puck uh, in the neutral zone on like a regroup into the breakout or into the forecheck. I remember, you know, he gets pressured a little bit in between the red line and, and uh, national blue line. I remember early on in his career, you'd see him try to stick handle through that, right? Instead, he goes a hard rim around and Columbus ends up, or maybe a short side dump. Anyways, instead of trying that fancy toe drag, he makes the simple play. 
and the Columbus ends up getting the puck back and getting possession. And I'd like to see, like, I'd like to think that that might have some torts, um, you know, fingerprints on it, right? And you start to see him playing that way. And man, he was heavy in on that forecheck. And I just, although I didn't see a ton of Winnipeg games, I don't remember that in Lions Arsenal, right? I remember him kind of camping out, wanting to be the late guy off the rush, wanting to be that third high guy uh, in, in the honey hole, in the slot. Um, so already I think you're starting to see the fingerprints uh, on his game. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's, you know, yes, the toe drag is awesome, but there's times to do it and times not to do it. And I think that's one of the things, you know, Lai is only 22 years old, so he still has to learn and Torts is going to show him everything he can uh, while he's here, that's for sure. But for me, I think what Lai the one thing that Torts try to do right now is have Patrick Lai create some scoring opportunities for himself as well. Because when he first got here, we didn't really see that shot. We saw it a couple times, but he's been trying to facilitate everyone else. He's a good passer. I think he's a better passer than people think. And he's just trying to pass a puck to everyone. You know, the coaching staff, they want to see him shoot that puck because that's what he's doing best. So he needs to create these opportunities for himself by moving his legs a little bit more. And that's the one thing that Patrick Liney needs to get to because we all know that one-timer from the left circle is not an issue. We know he can pass the puck. But we want him to, you know, really attack when he's on a one-on-one situation, really starting to attack the net. The legs feed the wolf, Dwayne. Yeah, I love that quote from that movie, um, for sure. And, you know, uh, you know, just looking at this team um, that you've built, and then we look what we have here in Buffalo. One of one of the things that you know, I like, I I'm jealous of there is you guys just don't lack any intensity. There's no lack of grit. There's no lack of toughness on that squad. Even though you're obviously not, you don't, you're not where you want to be in the standings, and that's something like Buffalo is really lacking right now. And you know, there's a reason why I picked, especially that last clip with RJ. Just losing his mind. Like it was like it was so funny because he called it over before like even I think you're even done with your like winding up for your third swing. He's just like, it's over, it's over, get him in there, that's out. But like it all started, you know, you were defending yourself. And then that clip I shared yesterday with you and Marty, it's just like teammates defending themselves. And I look at this team that we have right now in Buffalo, and I'm not like gonna make accuse players of not being tough and accuse players of not willing to stand, but that's something that's extremely lacking right now here in Buffalo. Just that, like it, it, pr- to pretty put, to put it bluntly, if Jack or Darlene were to get scummed tomorrow, I'm very hard pressed to find a guy to do what like you guys used to do back in those days. And just it, it, it's it, it, it's it's so tough to watch. Yeah, it, it's tough to watch. Listen, guys, the game has changed so much, and I think. You know, for me, like I'm looking back, I'm like, man, it seems like it was forever that I played. And then you look at the way the game has evolved over the years. It's hard for a hardcore fan, especially in Buffalo, when you've seen, you know, all these teams that were so close to look at a bunch of individuals that, yeah, they're wearing the same jersey, but they they, they don't really feel like a real team. And sometimes, you know, they care about each other, but they don't really show it on the ice. So I can see how that comes up. Uh, but, you know, as far as Buffalo, I haven't watched them play all that much this season. But given the amount of talent that's on this team, yeah, I know there's been some injuries as well. Uh, it's got to be pretty frustrating because it seems like every year they bring certain pieces in the team. And, you know, it's high talent. But really getting a group to stick together. And, and I'm not talking about fighting. It's just like, 
come to, yeah, your def- the, to the defense of your teammate, just show a little bit of emotion, it means a whole lot more than you scoring 20 goals, you know, in a season. And sometimes you need these type of guys in a team to really show the way. And then, then you add the talent that's just going to jump in and complement everything. So I think you got to start with a nice core group that cares for each other. And as you bring new pieces in, it's like, come on, you need to be part of this group or, you know, you're leaving. So it's not easy to be a GM. You hit the nail on the head. I like to call them glue guys, right? And they're not right. always the, um, you know, Mike. the big name players, right? And But it doesn't, and I get the, you hit the nail on the head with the game's changed. And you're not going to see, you know, after a hit, a fight all the time. But like you said, just maybe even getting in the guy's face or, you know, like, yeah, chirping off the bench. And I know that some people might say, well, what is that going to do? But it's just instilling that um, collective feeling, right, of knowing that, hey, we're in this. And and it's it's probably hard to see if you're not a fly on the wall or not a part of the team who those glue guys are. Because, like, in Columbus, yeah. I feel like you guys have created that culture. And maybe a guy like Atkinson or Felino, right? You, you tell me, who are, who are the guys that really help cement that culture in that room? Well, I think, you know, a good example, Boone Jenner is a guy that's going to do oh, anything Boone. to win. Oh, you, know, you know, captain, obviously, Nick Foligno. Listen, Nick Foligno is, is not a big guy, but if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, he's technically their enforcer. He's going to drop the gloves. He's going to do whatever it is to win. Kim Atkinson, you know, he's the same guy, just works hard. He doesn't care. He, you know, he's not going to fight. Again, we're talking about guys that, you know, you look at it in practice, you look at it in game, and you're like, dang, I want to follow this guy because he's inspired. But listen, I'll tell you something. I think it was like Patrick Lyonnais, maybe sixth game here after the incident that happened on the bench when he got benched for, uh, you know, talking to a coach. He got in a fight here. His first career major, you know, he never got in a fight in the NHL, did it. But listen, that's how fast he got integrated in that group. You saw one of his teammates get hit with his head down, and he jumped in there, and, you know, he went and fought the guy. And it's like, we expect Patrick Liney to go fighting. You're not here to fight. But for him to jump in, the defense of, like, a teammate like that, that means a lot to a coach. And right away, you're part of that group, you know, immediately. And that's that's what's really cool with the the mentality and the culture that's been changed in Columbus is seeing things like that. I'm sure you get a lot of respect there. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I'm sure he gained a ton of respect out of Torch there, too, for going to do not that. Only, not only the Torch, but the teammates, right? Like, yeah. he was doing – yeah, but, like, and the coaching staff, too, the way Torch coaches, 100%. Now, the one name that you brought up to start, and, Dwayne, don't give me shit because I'm going back in the memory chest. Boone Jenner is a guy that outside of, like, Columbus or hardcore hockey fans, most people aren't going to, like, outside of having a cool name, they don't know a lot about him. I played against him, Jean-Luc, for three years when in the same division when he was in Oshawa. And he scored on me many a times, but it wasn't just that. It was the way this guy played. Um, and he wasn't that loud of a player, like, with his mouth, but he played loud, if that made sense. Like, his presence was felt all the time. And those Oshawa teams, they weren't great once Tavares left. Um, you know, they had guys like uh, Christian Thomas, um, Steve Thomas's son, and Andy Androff, some uh, some fringe NHLers. But, fuck, they were hard to play against. And Boone Jenner was a big part of that. They made him a young captain once Tavares left. And, you know, he hit. He fought when he needed to. He scored on me whenever every chance he got. Um, but, like, it just it just goes to show, man, guys like that aren't heralded around the, in the national media or the, 
you know, the hockey world as much, but they're so important. Right. And I'd like to think that you had a bit of that to your game, you know, lasting as long as you did. And, and, and you played on some special groups, Dwayne, you mentioned the Marty clip and, and it's tough hearing Marty, you and Marty are in similar roles in, in your, your broadcast, right. For the team being around yep. the team. It, yep. It's, you can see the frustration is Marty does a great job of trying to keep it positive, always trying to put a positive spin, but you can see it in his face and, and hear it in his voice when he reminisces back to those teams. Um, Cause really that, that the last time that they had those groups were, were when, when he was there. And, and I, for me, at least you can sense it that he brings up those memories and Sabres fans are like, fuck, that's exactly what we're missing here. Right. And you were a part of a lot of those groups. Yeah, I, you know, I was part of it, and there was just this sense in this locker room that, you know, I, you know, if something happened, I get your back, you get my back, and you're like, I'm gonna go to war for this guy. And yeah. it was the same. It's the same thing with Boone Jenner. You know, Boone. I don't think Boone ever got in a fight, as far as I remember watching the Blue Jackets. But he's in your face all the time. It's funny. Today we were covering the game, obviously, and I was like, how many goal has Boone Jenner scored from the crease? And I literally look. Beside a breakaway and one shot, all four of his other goals this season, he was literally in the blue paint. And he's just one of these guys. You know, he scored 30 goals early in his career. He's not a 30-goal scorer, but it's just hard work and going in that dirty area. It's never a highlight, but he gets these goals just with hard work and, show, you know, playing the right way. That guy lived in my crease. If I put a rebound, if it wasn't in the corner, he was like a heat-seeking missile on this guy's stick. And that's something that you don't see with the naked eye watching a game, especially from the camera angle. From, from a goalie's perspective, though, like I have two places I could put this in either corner, but it's not always the case, as you know now, Jean-Luc. Like if there's traffic, you don't see it clean. But he just had a, an awesome way of putting himself – a lot of people say Tavares does that, right? He's not overly fast. He's got good hands, but he's in the right spot. Boone Jenner does that better than anybody. And like you said, he he goes to the dirty areas like a Tom Wilson does, and, and he gets rewarded for it. And that's something I think is – I don't want to say it's a dying breed, but that used to be – I'd love to see the percentage of goals scored and how they were scored when you played in the league in the 90s and in the early 2000s to now just how much that's changed. Yeah, the – you know, like the Joe Pavelski of this world, you know, like the Tavares of this world, the Boone Jenners – they're going away more and more because the game is so fast and so skilled mm -hmm. now. The dirty area is not that important. You're seeing a lot of really good perimeter players, but that dirty area, you know, now goalies are so good. If they can see the shot, they'll most likely stop it. These guys that can jump on the rebounds and, you know, they're not afraid to stand in front when there's a 100 miles an hour clapper coming to screen the goalie. They're really important. So when you... You know, when you have, you're you're putting a team together, it's important to have that grit, right? That dirty, I don't want to call it dirty, but, you know, the ugly type player that does that work in the dirty area and have that perimeter guy. You can't have a team of all perimeter guys and you can have a guy, a team of all grit guy because it's not going to work. So it's finding that right balance. Dwayne, I want to tee you up for this before. I know there's an injury now, but you know, we would, we've, we wanted to talk about the, the Sabres goalie situation. We have quite a bit uh, and Dwayne, I'll pass it over to you, but uh, Jean-Luc, one of the names on the top of Lane, Dwayne's list was one of the two headed monster Corbettalo or Merzlikens. I kind of tried to play devil's advocate that I don't think Columbus would let him go. Uh, but I, I, I hope I was wrong. Dwayne, you want to take it away there and, and, and kind of 
Obviously, right now it, that's out of the question. Uh, with I think it was out of the question, no matter what. But well, actually, <laughs> actually, 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 when Jean Luc was on our show last time, he did he did say I could see them trading one of those two by the end of next season. You did say that. I went. I went, yep, I made. Sure I did. You know, he said that. I, I'm not I sure if that. that. Yep. I'm not sure if that was during COVID or pre-COVID, but um, I mean. Obviously, right now, with with, with, with with the situation the world is in, it's obviously like the two two of the teams in the league that I think benefit the most from their goaltending situation are, are obviously Vegas and Columbus. You got both teams have an unbelievable two headed monster in that when it comes to Elvis and, and, and Corpus Allo, you got. Robin Leonard and Flower in Vegas. Even even today we lost to Philly. You know, Brian Elliott has an insane record against Buffalo. 15-2 and 2. The Sabres should trade for him just so they never have to play against them again. But <laughs> and then they have Carter Hart, a up an upcoming young stud in net. It just goes I mean it goes such a like a far goes so far uh, to have both those goalies in this situation right now that can you could slot in and they're going to step step up and meet the task like without a problem. Um, right now in Buffalo, though, I mean, I was a big advocate for Linus Olmark coming in. Cully knows that I had a lot of faith in him. I still do. I think he's proven that before the yeah, season. He's played really well this year, Dwayne. Well, and obviously Carter Hutton, even though today is loss, it wasn't on Carter. He, he's just not the type of guy that now we're looking, we're going to be a, a, without, without Linus for a month. He's not the guy that, you know, you want to step in and have to carry the bulk of the load. And then again, the guy behind him, Johansson, and then our guy, and then our two, our, our two goalies in Rochester, um, Uka Pekalukinen, who was just brought into Rochester, in my opinion, wasn't even ready to be, be in the AHL yet. And then Takar, Tak, uh, Takarski, it's just, it, it's just like a carousel right now. And it's just like, it was funny, you know, I, 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 I crunched all the numbers and I said, you know, the goal, the the gap between Hashik and Ryan Miller, the amount of goalies Buffalo dressed was four, four total goalies between Hashik and Miller. That was the bridge, and that included Marty Mika Nornan, and I, I honestly Mika. Mika Nornan. Um, since Miller has left, we've dressed twenty two goaltenders. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, sounds yeah. about right. Not, not much stability back there, huh? No, 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 not at all. John, not at all. I mean, especially when you know that Rand Miller's still in the league, right? <laughs> well, that's, that's the best part. I would take a forty-year-old Ryan. I would take. I would take a Jean-Luc Grand Pierre right now. Well, hey, how about a guy like Brian Elliott? Here's a guy that the Sabers and listen. I've always liked Brian Elliott. I don't know about you guys. I just thought that St. Louis. Like I, I rooted for St. Louis when he was there. He made me a St. Louis fan, and I'm not anymore. But loved his game. You know. Um, and it wasn't just because he always had good pad setups, but he's a guy that I think Philly's done it the right way, and especially now that you've seen Carter Hart really struggle this year. Um, Mika Norton has more goals. Than <laughs> That's incredible. Holy oh, shit. Leading into my point, we've made Brian Elliott look like, um, you know, Ken Dryden back there. This guy's on a on a 120 minute shutout against the Sabers this this year. Uh, his what's his all time record against the Sabers, Dwayne? His all time record against Buffalo is 15 two and two. 
it's just, you know, I don't know how much of that, and they talk about it in the locker room, or maybe they don't, um, but, you know, good good analysts will say, you know, you can have 30 shots on a guy, but it doesn't mean you had, you know, 30 chances, right? And how often, like I'm coaching a high school team in St. Mary's here, and, you know, we, we had a great start to the year. We got traffic. That's how we scored our goals. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't bombs, but we had the guys in front. We lose a game two to one. We out to Clarence, a team we should have beat. And we kids are like, well, we outshot him 45 to 10 guys. He saw all 45 shots, right? Like, and that to me, we get talked about enough. How can the Sabres, you know, not only create more, you know, shot opportunities, but create more high danger chances just from having traffic and taking away the goalie sight line or crossing the Royal road right before the shot. I think there's a lot to be said on that. And I think the Sabres do a piss poor job of it. Yeah. It's uh, you know, if a goaltender is, you know, it, like you said, the amount of shot is completely irrelevant. Uh, you can get 20 shots and struggle because the, the other team, has a bunch of Boone Jenner in your crease all game long. But you know, if you get like, you know, 45 shots, the goalie's going to take, it's an easy night. So I think you know for the blue uh, for the for the Sabers, it's the same thing Blue Jackets need to do and have not done as of late is really create this traffic. Listen, Nashville scored two goals today, and the camera from behind uh, uh, who scored the two goals? It was Ekholm. Uh, Matthias yeah. Ekholm just came back. He was back, scored two goals. The camera angle, you could see four blue. Uh, Two Blue Jackets, two Nashville Predators. You could see a part of the net. You could not see the goalie. Okay? Yep. If you can't see the goalie, the goalie can't see the puck. So, yeah, it's a perfect shot. It's a perfect example of perfect screen. If you can rip it and find that lane, the goalie has no chance. And if you happen to get an arm on it by luck, there'll be a rebound. And that's when your grit guy can bury it. But it's commitment because not everybody wants to be in front of the net. Not that it's not as easy as ever, because now you can't cross-check. It's just a battle. It's not like the 90s where, you know, you had, like, Chris Pronger cross-checking you around the neck to stay in front of the net. So I think it's it's more of a about commitment and not being a perimeter player and wanting to get in those areas. And on top of that, I think that smart players recognize that it doesn't always have to be your teammate creating traffic. You go back to the Sabres game today, the first goal against um, – Against Hutton, uh, you know, a breakdown in the defensive zone, John Luke, it, it came off of uh, the half wall pass out in front. And, you know, I think it was Katoria that scored it, but Colin Miller was the net front D. And, you know, he rushes out to try to block it. Hutton center shifts to where the shot was going to go. It was going to go blocker side high, but it hits Miller's glove and instead comes, you know, back the other way. So good shooters find a way to shoot through defensemen's legs, to shoot through traffic that is organic, that isn't of their own team's doing, right? And I think there's a lot to be said for that, and you don't see a lot of those goals from the Sabres. Yeah, it's uh, and again, you know, those goals might happen starting next game, and all of a sudden everything rolls. It's kind of tricky with teams like that. Uh, I think the Blue Jackets are in the same boat right now. Is like, you know, one game, everybody, you know, Cam will score and then line A scores. And then now your fourth line guy is scoring. And then a D that hasn't played 20 games is scoring. It's like it comes like in waves. And I think for, you know, both the Blue Jackets and the Sabre right now, they just really need to get one guy really going and everybody follows. 
Yeah, it's it's been it's been extremely ex- like you you would have never thought with this team after making the, the move to to bring in Stall even for just one year and the Stall and Hall that offense would be the biggest issue here because now you have just a bona fide uh, top six story two scoring lines. You think that that you know goals would, wouldn't come in bunches. You know, goal your scoring wouldn't be a problem. And it's just the complete opposite. We can't buy a goal right now. And goaltending hasn't been bad. Even like even right. the previous that, that Hutton had against because he played both. Um, you know, it was uh, I think a six uh, Carter Hutt, Carter Hart was chased, chased from the game with us. They won six to one. And then Hutton got hurt in the, in the third at the end of the second period in the second start, but it was only one nothing at that point. Like he, he played great, you know. His numbers aren't bad. You know, Linus Olmark's numbers are superb. It's the, it's the inability to score. And like John brought up, not getting in those dirty years and for that, not getting to buy in, um, doing the things necessary, especially around below the dots to, to get those goals. It, it, it's really just really mind-blowing that this team can't score. Right. And the other thing with Sabres is you have to remember, you, so you brought in some new pieces and with COVID, and I'm not making an excuse here, you have no idea how restricted the players are. Like, they can't even really hang out. I mean, we saw it with Washington. The guys were hanging out in their hotel room and getting in trouble. So it's really hard for, you know, the new guys, the stalls, you know, the halls, like, to really hang out with their teammates. Even at the rink, they have limited time that they can be together. So it's really hard to really create this camaraderie between players. And a lot of time, that's how guys stick together and really get going. So I can't imagine... When I was playing, you know, to, let's say the, the Sabres in 99 when we were standing in the cup finals, I can't imagine if that was a group that we all had to go to our own room with our mask on and we couldn't hang out together because there's so much more than just being on the ice and in practice with a team than that, that, that to the open eye. And you guys have both played hockey, so you know all the, you know, all the antics that takes place behind the scene. It means so much more than any any coach can show you on the board days in, days and- out. I have a theory about that, John Luke. I know every team's been <clears throat> universally affected by that, but the unique thing about the Sabers is that they've had maybe more more important pieces, more more transition. You know, you have guys like Eakin, Ryder, Hall, Stall, all these guys coming in, and here's where it's different with the Sabers. How many times have we heard about? And you can speak to this going into a new team. How important? How many stories have we heard about guys really getting acclimated in training camp? Right. And getting to know the guys then and spending time or, you know, the first day of training camp, they get invited to a dinner. How much is that affected it? Not being able to do that this year, having a very condensed training camp, no preseason, no time to just be around the boys. You take that out of it. Maybe they're still in that feeling out phase because it sure looks that way on the ice. Yeah, for sure. And there's so many, you know, in training camp, you do team bonding stuff. Uh, I, I mean, I still remember till this day. When uh, I was in Buffalo and uh, we went as a team, we went, uh, Rob Ray organized something for all us to go paintballing. And we were there and Razor was so mad because he got shot a few times in the leg and he was bruised up and came to practice the next day. He was completely blue everywhere because Barnaby was shooting him from point blank. But it was (laughs) like, you look at it and you're like, okay, you just went out and you know, had fun, but like those stories, like the next day at practice, we got bad and we had the best time ever as a group. And, you know, it kind of like built that team spirit, right? From the outside was not organized by the team. It was organized by a player 
you can't do that anymore. So just little stories like that really help with the core of the group. And, uh, you know, that was, it was a gr- just an, another example of how, you know, things completely outside of hockey can help a team. That's unreal. I yeah. love to hear that. I never heard that story. That's awesome. Um, you know, we've done stuff like that too with, you know, when it came to, you know, you know, the coaching the last decade, like maybe, you know, you take the kids out, play, you know, play a touch football game, you know, something outside the rink, um, you know, any type of gathering, either at a restaurant or, you know, we've done a golf outing before, you know, it's just some way to just really spend, spend time together and just get away from the rink and just have a good time and have fun and just not take things so seriously every once in a while. Dwayne, we had, uh, I w- or John Luke and Dwayne, I, I was coaching a junior eight team here two years ago. I was the head coach. We, you know, we were a new organization, a startup team. We went on, uh, we were 50 50, you know, like, um, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. We went on an eight game losing streak leading into Christmas break. And instead of having our last practice, I said, you know what, boys? Let's meet up. We played a game. Instead of we should have done touch football. Looking back on it, I'm surprised nobody tore their ACL. We split into four teams, went to the Hamburg turf field, did a tournament of tackle football, and it was awesome. We came back, we went on a roll five games in a row. So um team soccer game for getting the <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I know that I know that COVID has definitely affected the off ice. Going back to the Washington, do I have this right that they were in the same hotel room as their teammates, and that's how they got? Yep. What? Yeah, they were they were like hanging out in common yeah. areas in the hotel room. That's so I, it, was yeah. the team, it was the team that handed on the suspension too. It wasn't the league. It was the the Capitals themselves that suspended the players for four yeah. games. The league yeah. fined them a hundred thousand dollars, I believe. Yeah, it was Ovechkin, Samsonov, Kuznetsov, and uh, one Russians. Guy. I think it was Orlov, the other one. Yeah, it was yeah. literally the four Russians. Yeah, yeah. And it's off. not like they, they didn't go out or anything like that. They were literally all four hanging out in their hotel room. Yeah, yeah, that's just tough. Those guys spend how much time together at the rink? You know, they shower together. Yeah, it's just tough. Um, yeah. No, I just I I have a lot of my, looking back on a lot of my most fond memories. And especially the memories of, you know, going, getting traded four times. And that's where it comes back to the Sabres with Hall and Stahl and these new pieces. Going into new locker rooms, it wasn't the on-ice stuff that really brought you into the fold. It was, it was whether it was the bus trip or the first night out with the boys, um, you know, downtown Windsor with Cassie and Ellis and them, them taking me under their wing. That to me was like better memories and brought me closer to the group than anybody else. Shout out to Jeff Brown, Jay Breezy, whose um, brother is Connor Brown in the National League. But he was a, a veteran guy that played with Boone Jenner in, in Oshawa and was a part of those special groups. When I got traded to Windsor, he was the first guy, him and Jake Carrick, to really take me under their wing and, and show me not only the talent of the team. And I just felt like, I don't know, like a weight off my shoulders almost, but you immediately feel part of the family. And that, like you said earlier, Jean-Luc, you look to the right, you look to the left. I go through a fucking wall for these guys, you know, and and it's that feeling that you can't replicate in any other way than doing it the the time tested, true tested method of just you know going out with the boys, the little stuff, man. Whether it be paintball, whether it be football, or like our our listener suggested, Ralph Kruger soccer analytics, whatever you need to do, fire up the boys, put put these twenty idiots in a room, and good things are gonna happen. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, Cully, don't you have a phenomenal Cassian story? 
I have a couple. Are they safe to say on air? The pool, the pool ball one. Okay, so you, you guys no, 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 that. before we do that, they really don't. I uh, just want to let you guys know that support for the two goalies one mic is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in man's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you for the the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below the waist grooming. We, they sent us a care package, Cully. The, the lawnmower 3.0, unbelievable ceramic guard so you don't have nick or cut yourself. And it even has a flashlight. I never thought I'd need a flashlight. To, oh, to, for the undercarriage, Dwayne, the grundle. Never, never thought you need a flashlight built into your razor, but you never know you need something until you have it. Well, I needed it. And it's waterproof. If you're ever on the, in a hurry in the shower, you can use it right in the shower. Manscaped, if you use the code word TRAINWRECK, capital, all capital letters, T-R-A-I-N-W-R-E-C-K, you get 20% off your purchase and free shipping. That's TRAINWRECK, T-R-A-I-N-W-R-E-C-K, all capital letters, manscaped.com. Make sure you get there, 20% off. But, Cully, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Before we before we let John go, this is an electric story. So just to set the stage, um, I'm an overager. No, I'm a third-year OHL player. Um, I'm playing in Sarnia with Yakupov and Galchenyuk. We're getting our asses kicked. I get traded to Windsor, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Jack Campbell's a starter. I'm not going to play. Well, I come into a very good team that had just won back-to-back Memorial Cups. A little intimidating. And I knew Cassian from you know my days playing against him in Peterborough. Anyways, I get there. I didn't know what to expect. Luckily, I got traded there, and we had just a Thursday, Friday uh, like game. So my first weekend there, we had the green light to go downtown for Friday, Saturday night. So we all go out. Um, we're at this this bar. It had some pool tables and stuff. I'm gonna fast forward through a lot of the night because I don't I don't know if I get any in trouble. But the boys are banged up. One thing Cassie would do though is because he he had his uh, sabers. He signed his uh, his signing bonus, so he would pay for the boys. And I'm living off $400 a week. He would get in the bar. He would order 100 vodka waters at once, 10 by 10. Um, and they'd be plastic cups. And I'm like, Cass, wh- why vodka waters? You know, I, at that time, I was drinking like bar lime and vodka, some soft drink. He's like, Cully, in season, no calories. Buffalo's keeping an eye on me. So he'd scoop the ice <laughs> out, smash it on the floor. Dummy the vodka water, throw the cup. There's still ice cubes in it flying around, hitting people. Nobody's going to say shit to this guy. So anyways, <laughs> it was a wonderful night. Like, I'm getting to know the boys. Um, You know, Brownie, Carrick. Um, I don't know if Ellie was out with us that night, but it was getting towards the end of the night. Cassian had to have drank in like 25 of these vodka waters. The 100 there are gone. Um, You know, I had a couple, but, hey, I love a good piece of free. Give me a free drink all day, bud. Um, it's towards the end of the night, Cassian, uh, he's like, Hey, let's go. I got, I got the after party spot. And I'm at this point, I'm just rolling. And that's part of being a new guy. You just go with it. Right. I'm in a new strange right. city. I got no fucking clue what's happening. I'm following orders. So I get my coat and then Cassian kind of nudges me. He says, Hey, come here real quick. And, um, you know, I'm not fucking saying no to that man. Um, he'd beat my head in, but, um, I go next, stand next to him. He, he like nudges me over and we're standing next to the pool table. He's like, Hey. Stand right here. And all of a sudden, I feel my coat getting heavier and heavier. Cassian's rifling pool balls into my coat pockets. And at this point, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, where is this going? But again, Zach Cassian, you're not saying no to him. New guy in the team. Wasn't about to fucking ask questions there. So sure enough, 
we, we, once I'm full, I, I had a big peacoat, so I got about like five balls in this one and five balls in this one, trying to walk out, not like a fucking hunchback with my coat wearing me down. I had no idea where this is going. We're supposed to be going to an after party, but we get out on the street and where this bar was, it was downtown Windsor, but it wasn't on the main road. It was like one off. So I'm, and at this point, I'm buckled at this point too. I probably got about 12 vodka waters in me and I'm a lightweight at that point. Uh, we get out, it's me, Cassian, and two others, um, and we're standing there, and it's almost like Cassian forgot about it for a minute, because we're walking down the street to wherever we're going next, and then you see the light bulb come out of his head, because he sees me fucking struggling with this coat, and uh, he said, boys, 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 come here, so he fucking divvies out the pool balls, we all got two, and I don't know how this came into his head, but he just said, all right, let's fucking let him rip. And it wasn't like we talked about like how we're doing this, but you see him just turn and bounce it off the cement. And if you've never bounced a pool ball off the cement, the thing's like a fucking bottle rocket. All right. So all of a sudden you got four guys and two hands each just flying. One goes off this way and keeps bouncing, hits a building. All of a sudden you hear one hit, hit glass break. And all of a sudden cast a shell scatter. <laughs> and um, well, I, the worst part was is after this calmed down, I'm trying to call these guys, but I don't have everybody's number yet. And I finally meet up with Brownie like a block over or like sneaking through. Uh, we eventually make it in, and no shit, dude. We were in the middle of downtown Windsor. We ended up at this fucking penthouse, one of Cassian's buddies, because he's from there, and ended up drinking the whole night. And the reason I remember that is because it was like six in the morning. We end up, a veteran move this is, um, me and Brownie end up going into the rink uh, on our off day at 7 in the morning and to do, because we had a steam room in there. Not to work out or anything, boys. We just needed to sweat the booze out. And no shit. Who do we see in there but fucking Bob Bugner and, and, and DJ Smith. They're on the elliptical. <laughs> and they, they see us. They're like, ah, Boogie, I told you we made the right trade bringing these guys in. Look at this. 7 a.m. coming in on their off day. <laughs> oh, right. just going to the steam room, we had to fucking look like we were working out but that was my first night with windsor still don't know where those pool balls ended up but safe to say that was my first week in windsor my next year and a half was just as equally as entertaining so thanks for letting me tell that that's Dwayne. awesome i've been, been waiting to tee him up for that story for a while and you know, I was talking about culture and bringing teams together and stuff like that. And really, same light bulb clicked in my head. So I, I remember the first time Cully told me that story, I could not stop laughing. It, it was yeah. obviously there was much more to the story than what he told on air. I tried but, to keep it as much yeah. as I could. I, that was the light version, but for time and yeah. for, for um, statue of limitations reasons. I told yeah. I told somebody the story you told us, John Luke, uh, John, uh, about Lou uh, when it was a U sixteen when you played with Lou. And uh, he was crying. He was crying during a timeout. I told one of my good goalie, but he did not believe me. He's like, "There's no way that yeah. guy would." Yeah. There's no yeah. way. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you one parting? Can I ask you one parting question? Not to tee you up for a crazy story, but what was yeah. your fondest memory of all your rookie parties or all your team gatherings? Or I know that like, you guys do it up for the Halloween parties. Different teams have different like um, like different things. Do you remember off the top of your head any – Not to, it doesn't have to be crazy, but just a time maybe when you were new on a team or younger in the league or just a, a group that came together through one of those nights that you remember still to this day? Yeah, I, 
I would say so. My so when I was in uh, in Rochester, the American League, my first year, I mean, we struggled. It was like we, we were a bad team. Somehow we made the playoffs. I don't know how. I think we had twelve rookies that year. It was ugly. But the second year, better group. But we weren't really clicking together. And uh, this is a good story because I'm actually in Cincinnati right now. That's where the studio is. is so that's where we were. We were in Cincinnati for a week because something happened with the ice. And for some reason, they, they canceled the Sunday game and we're going to stay in Cincinnati all the way till the next Saturday instead of busing back to Rochester. So we're there in Cincinnati for a full week. It's like March. It's getting warmer out and all the guys are bored. So a bunch of us, we just decide that forget about curfew. We're all going out as a team. So we go out and... I won't say his name, but one of our players uh, gets arrested as we're leaving the bar because the bar is closing and, you know, he's a little under the influence. And I didn't know that it existed, but in Ohio, they have, a, you know, they can ticket you for public intoxication, even though you're just walking at a bar. So this guy end up, you know, getting arrested and literally going to jail. So the next morning we wake up and uh, Jay McKee, you know, it, it was with the Sabres. He was in Rochester at the time. <laughs> Went and bailed him out. <laughs> because I was gone at that time. I don't know what happened. But the next morning, Coach is looking. Brian McCutcheon is looking for the guys. That are like, where's Jay? And we're like, well, we don't know. Well, let, let's try to call him. And then they're like, where's this other player? And we literally put a jail cell. You know, the stalls, the way they are. We just put tape like a jail <laughs> cell. <tape? laughs> <laughs> no, not in front of Jay, in front of the other player that was incarcerated for the night. And when, we, you know, the coach walks in and he's like, what's up with this tape? And all the guys were just laughing because we knew exactly what was going on. But that week was probably the best team bonding we had because we had no choice, right? Guys with family, single guys, we all had to hang out together. Well, long story short, this team went all the way to all the cup finals two years in a row. But it was just these little events that happen in a season that can really get a group together. It's more than skills. It's really about caring for one another and having all these stories behind the scene. But that was a classic one for sure. That's incredible. I just love the I've, – I've seen that. that I never knew a, a stall could look like a jail cell, but I've seen the tape like that before. And I would yeah, – yeah, yeah. yeah. But it just goes to show you, man, teams that find a way to come together or have moments like that, like you're that much more willing to go to war for a guy. And it's exactly. just, there's no coincidence that, that that team that you were on, you know, had success and went to the Calder Cup, that, that Windsor team I was on, we overachieved even after losing guys like Henrique and Hall. There's no replacing guys like that. Um, but we found a way to be successful. Uh, it helped having Ryan Ellis back there. But um, no, it, that's I love that story, man. And look at those guys end up going on to have great careers and, you know, they, they pay it forward and, and, and find a way to use that team building in going forward too in their, their, their future careers. So um, John Luke, man, we really appreciate having you on dude. Uh, recurring guest, John Luke Grandpierre, be sure to catch him on, you know, for now Fox sports, you said it's soon to be Bailey sports, Bally. Bally. Correct. Bally sports. Um, friend of the program, uh, friend of the show, friend of ours, John Luke, really, really appreciate having you on, man. All right, thanks for having me, guys, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season, all right? Yeah, we'll see what happens. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll need it. All right. Bye. Bye. So, Dwayne, that was a great interview with Jean-Luc Grandpierre. 
Um, episode 54 here, like you said, brought to you by Trainwreck. Any parting words, Dwayne? Uh, no, man. Just um, it's, you know, been a great, you know, been a great, uh, you know, and it was a great interview with John. I had a blast. Uh, one quick, one quick story before we end this too, though. Uh, he said he was in Cincinnati. We and my best friends, we went there for a Bills Cincy game, and we were we 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 tied one off real good that night. Like it's a fun town, dude. It's yeah, underrated. It a real fun town. It was right after a Bills win, and we were we were in a crosswalk. We were it was our right to walk, and some Uber driver literally like lost his mind on my body, just lost it, absolutely <laughs> lost it, honking his horn, and we just got a bunch of burritos, dude. Huge burritos, and my buddy, who's like honest to God, probably twenty beers deep. Like, yeah, he's a big Bud Light guy. Dude. He can, he can, he can put a thirty pack by himself away, no problem. Like, no problem. Um, <laughs> looks this guy right in the eyes, goes, "You fuck you, you piece of sh-. takes this <laughs> giant burrito and just oh! like, like you, like, like you said, like you, if, you, if you've never seen a pool ball, you know, you have to hit it to see the guy." You need to see a burrito. I've seen a burrito explode. It's incredible. Especially the big ones that are tightly packed. Was it a big guy? Oh, he, he, oh, whack. Beef. Beef <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> the guy was so dumbfounded. He had no clue what was going on. He was like, what just happened? Oh, fuck. Like, that was just unbelievable. Like, a good Cincinnati story. Oh, yeah. Hopefully the sour cream smeared as he tried to windshield wipe it off. Oh, oh yeah. 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 But, hey, the, oh, uh, hey, thanks for joining us today, Jean-Luc. Thanks. Hey, remember, manscaped.com, 20% off your purchase and free shipping when you use the code word TRAINWRECK, all capital letters, T-R-A-I-N-W-R-E-C-K. 20% off your purchase, free shipping. Get the lawnmower 3.0 waterproof. Has a built-in flashlight. You'll never know you needed a flashlight for your sh- for your shaver until you got one. You definitely need it. That is manscaped.com. Code word train up for 20% off. Johnny, it's been a phenomenal night. Uh, I wouldn't have chosen any other way to spend my Saturday night than with you, buddy. Love it. Love it. Get make sure you check out Manscaped. Appreciate the care package, guys. You guys are the best. Awesome. Episode 54. Jean-Luc Crampier, Dwayne, love to see you, man. Uh, tune in next week. We've got a big guest. Absolutely. We got Eric Engels from the uh, Mo- from the Montreal Canadiens going to come out. We're going to talk. A lot's been going on up there. They just uh, axed their head coach and their assistant coach, here, Claude Julien. Claude Julien is back on the market. Honestly, if things don't go well here with Buffalo, Claude is a guy I would be looking at first. Hey, what's up, Bruce Boudreaux? Bruce Boudreaux. Anybody but a guy who, you know, play, spent the last 10 years, you know, running a soccer team. Anybody. So, uh, well, that'll do it for us, uh, Dwayne. Always pleasure. Thanks for teaming up for that Cassian story. I, I was wondering when you were going to let me get that one on. I got a couple more, though. That man is a criminal in a good way. I love him. God bless you. Zach. Hey, but a couple of clicks for him. He had a lot of problems. And little known fact, his father died when he was young in a car accident. Cassian was in the car. He saw him die. And that he had a lot of problems emotionally and who everybody would, but he battled through a ton after bouncing through the league. And he really is the greatest guy. He would stick up for his teammates. He would do anything for me. Um, And and I I love the guy to death and I'm so proud to see him do well. So like Zach Cassian right now, the Buffalo Sabres who who fucking picked them first round. You know what I mean? 
And we and had a great, him and Marcus Hodgson. Trade him for Cody Hodgson. What a fucking, what a shit, what a mockery. What a fucking sham that was. Yep. Cody Hodgson, trade him for that. You trade, you mean it, it's, it's, it was a brutal trade, man. But, you know, the, but like you said, glue guys, man. That's what you need. You need glue guys. Like guys like Mike Greer. A Mike Cody Hodgson broke his back. Cody Hodgson used to be as good as Matt Duchesne. He was lights out. He would fucking light my tits up every game. But after that back surgery, man, he was not ever the same. And the Sabres, it's like we didn't have any. Oh, he had back surgery. He's probably fine. Maybe you should check the medicals on that, boys, before trading away fucking the Wolverine and hockey form and Zach Cassian. God damn it. Well, hey, my computer's about to shut, see, just like me. Uh, Long weekend. Big game goaltending. Check us out. Big game goaltending. Um, guest guest coach Dwayne Steinel coming in hot for the summer camps. No, yep. but, uh, Dwayne, episode 54 was a good one, man. Uh, for all our listeners, have a great night. Thanks to the guys at Trainwreck and Manscaped. Whoa. Escape your man parts. Family jewels. Yeah. I done did a lot of things in my day. I admit it, I don't take back what I say. If I said it, then I meant it. All my life I won a Grammy, but I probably never get it. I ain't never had no trophy or no motherfucking ribbon. Fuck the system, I'm that nigga. Bend the law, cut the rules. I'm about to risk it all. I ain't got too much to lose. Y'all been eating long enough. It's my turn to cut the food. Pass the plate, win my drink. This my day. Lucky you, fuck you too. Woo! Y'all gotta move. Y'all gotta move. Give me some room, give me some room, give me the juice. How about the coupe? How about the coupe? How about the shoot? Y'all gotta move, y'all gotta move. Give me the juice. Back on my bullshit, my back to the water, my back on your wall, and you finish. Back to these bullets, it's back to the job, put my Mac out and all of you running. Back on my hush, it's back to the pushing, these taxing, I'm actually pumping. Can't fuck with you rappers, you practically sucking. You might have went platinum, but that don't mean nothing. I'm actually buzzing this time. Straight out the kitchen, I told him the oven is mine. I do not fuck with you guys. If I don't kill you, just know you go suffer this time. I ain't no gangster, but I got some bangers, some chains, and some blazing, a couple of nines. Choppers and jammies, a partridge, a pantry. My 20s and Christmas was nothing but lies. Run at you hot like a sumo. They say I talk like a chulo. I live in Mars, I'm not Bruno. Bitch, I'm a duck, call me Cujo. You play your cards, I reverse on you all, and I might just drop all like a Uno. Callas, they woke up my home, they call it Obuto, and all of you culo. Never the better to level up in the ghetto, the ghetto looking for something I probably can never find now. You shake it relevant until the beat die down. The truth niggas just really want me tied down. I've been alone and I never needed nobody, just only me and my shot, I tell these niggas to lie down. Keep all the money, I never wanted a lifestyle. Why the pretty got on my son of yard right now? I said, ain't no love for the other side or anyone who ever wants smoke. When I die, I'm going out, there's an underdog who never lost hope. You in the wrong cab, down the wrong path, nigga, wrong way, wrong road. In the grass, trying to slither fast. I just bought a fucking lawnmower. Things in my day. I admit it, this is payback in a way. I regret it that I did it. I don't want a couple Grammys, but I sold my soul to get them. Wasn't in it for the trophies, just the fucking recognition. Fuck's a difference. I'm that cracker. Been the law. Fuck the rules. Man, I used to risk it all. Now I got too much to lose. I've been eating long enough. Man, my stomach should be full. I just ate. Lick the plate. My buffet. Lucky me. Fuck you, day. I got a couple of mentions. Still, I don't have any manners. You got a couple of ghostwriters, but to these kids, it don't actually matter. They're asking me what the fuck happened to hip hop. I said I don't have any answers, cause I took a nail when I dropped my last album. It hurt me like hell, but I'm back on these rappers. And actually, coming from humble beginnings, I'm somewhat uncomfortable winning. I wish I could say what a wonderful feeling. We're on the upswing like we're punching the ceiling, but nothing is feeling like anyone has any fucking ability to even stick to a subject. It's killing me. The inability to pin humility. Why don't we make a bunch of fucking songs about nothing and mumble them? Fuck it, I'm going for the juggler. Shit is a circus. You clowns that are coming up. Don't give an ounce of a motherfucker about the ones who are here before you. The made rap is recap. Way back and sees that. Recap. Gonna take text. Eight that's what 
with a G rap from King Jack. We need three stacks ASAP and bring that to the ace back. Cause tap for these rappers had brain damage. All the lean rapping, face taps are out like tree sap. I don't hate trap and I don't wanna see mad, but in fact, what I owe me at the same cat that would take that feedback and aim back. I need that. But I think it's inevitable They know a button to press it Whatever the pull to get me to snap though And if I paid attention I'm probably making it bigger But you been taking your dicks On a fucking back hoe On the freaking minute Got me thinking of finishing Everything with a seed of minutes And reaping the benefits I'ma sleep with the will again As I begin to thinking About an evil intent Of another beat I'ma kill again Cause even if I gotta end up Eating a pill again Even ketamine and methamphetamine With a mini tin It better be at least 70 or 300 milligram And I might as well Cause I'ma end up being a villain again Level to the shit I got an elevator You could never say to me I'm not a fucking record breaker I sound like a broken record Every time I break a record Nobody could ever take away The legacy I made I never cater Motherfucker never got a right To be this way I got spikes inside my DNA But I wrote to the wills fall off I'm working tirelessly Ay. It's the moment y'all been waiting for Like California wishing rain and pour And that drought y'all been praying for My downfall From the 8 mile to the south pass To the same marsh So that outlaw That they say is a rider Might have fell off I'm back on that bull Like the cowboy So y'all gotta move Yeah Y'all gotta move Yeah Y'all gotta move Give me some room Give me some room Give me the juice How about the coupe How about the coupe How about the shoot Y'all gotta move Y'all gotta move Give me the juice Do Did Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.